Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. And now, here's our pastor, Cornelius Phillips, with today's message. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, I like that word, suddenly. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Father, Lord, this morning we're so thankful today that we have received the promise of your Spirit. We're thankful this morning that as a body of believers, as Christians, we have the freedom and the liberty today to stand here and declare your word. Now, Father, Take that that we have this morning and open our eyes and our hearts today to receive your word. And Father, we thank you. We give you praise today for the changing of lives in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can take your seat. I want to mainly this morning... There, there are two questions that came as a result of what we just read. As a result of what happened on the day of Pentecost, out of that came two questions. The first one is found in Acts chapter 2 and verse 12. And if you want to underline, if you write in your Bible or if you got your iPhone or whatever, highlight it. Simply this, what meaneth this? There were people that were gathered in Jerusalem uh, for the feast of Pentecost and there were hundreds, perhaps thousands of people that were gathered in the city that day and they, they all heard what happened on the day of Pentecost. And as a result of them hearing what happened, their question was, what does this mean? What is the meaning of the mighty rushing wind? What is the meaning of the sound that we heard? What is the meaning of us hearing all of these people speaking in our native tongue? What is the meaning of these uneducated fishermen speaking in a dialect that they have never been taught, that they have never learned, and they're speaking in my native language? It would be the same this morning if, if I were to come in here and I were from, say, Germany, and I walked in this morning and I could not, uh, could not speak English 
or anything and I walked in this morning and and somebody like one of my uh, uh, Braley or, or one of my kids or something stood up because I know they don't know no German uh, and they stood up and started speaking a message in the German tongue and that individual or, or myself being from Germany I understood everything that they were saying that's what was going on on the day of Pentecost and they were saying what does this mean what is the meaning of this even to the point that that some were mocking and they were saying these people are drunk so that lets me know that there were some things going on on the day of Pentecost that were out of the ordinary And God sometimes will make us uncomfortable when we are moved to get out of the ordinary. We have had ordinary in the church so long that we have lost our ability and we have lost that connection that says God is a supernatural God and a miracle working God. God is trying in this hour to get the church out of the ordinary to get the church back to a place that we believe that God is supernatural and that he is able to do all things. So the first question is, what does this mean? The second question that I want us to look at is going to be in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. And it's this, men and brethren, what shall we do that we might be participants of what we just witnessed? So two questions, what does this mean, talking about Pentecost, and what shall we do? So with that, I want to share with you this morning some things that God has put on my heart. First of all, Pentecost, the word Pentecost simply means 50. In the book of Leviticus chapter 23, Beginning with verse 15, God told Moses and the children of Israel that uh, you shall count unto you from tomorrow after the, or from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. In other words, seven weeks with seven Sabbaths. What is seven times seven? Forty-nine. So seven times seven is 49. So God said seven Sabbaths shall be complete, seven weeks. And in verse 16, even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath. So in other words, when seven Sabbaths were complete and the day following that, that would make it 50 days. So Pentecost is a celebration that takes place on the, the 50th day. When Jesus was crucified and resurrected, the Bible says that he was with the disciples in Acts chapter 1, that he walked with his disciples for 40 days. He was with them eating and drinking, fellowshipping with his disciples for 40 days. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, that he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, 
but wait for the promise of the Father, which said he, you have heard of me. Verse five, he said, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from here. And the Bible says that when Jesus spoke those words to his disciples, that, that he was caught up and ascended into heaven. The disciples were standing there, as, as I'm sure that I would be when you got me up off the ground, and, and they were standing there, and the Bible says they were gazing into heaven, and they were gazing at Jesus ascending back to the Father from where he had come. And as they were standing there, the Bible says that the angels of the Lord appeared to them and said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing at him as he leaves? Because in the same manner that he is leaving, he will come again. So in other words, the disciples were standing there and the angels said, listen, don't stand here and gaze into heaven as if you have lost something, but understand this, that the same way that he left, he's gonna come back. That's a fact. Jack, had to say that. Some of y'all going to sleep and you said, did he say Jack? That's a fact. Jesus is coming back. In the like manner that he ascended to the Father, there's gonna be a day that we're gonna see him return back to this earth as the Redeemer, as the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. So he was taken up into heaven. And from there, the disciples went to the upper room and continued there, as the Bible says, in one accord and one mind and in prayer. Ten days later, Exactly. Ten days later, they were there. They probably got up that morning saying, you know what, we've been here nine and three-quarter days and nothing has happened. But they stayed there. But why? Because Jesus had commanded them to go to Jerusalem and tarry there until you're endued with power from on high. I've said this before. He didn't tell them to go out and start a campaign. He didn't tell them to go out and, and write a book and sell tapes and cassettes and CDs. He didn't tell them to go out and start revivals and all of that. He said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and stay there until you are endued or clothed with power from on high. Ten days later, the Bible says that the day of Pentecost had fully come. Listen, God's got a timing in everything that he does. God is not a happenstance God. He didn't get up this morning and say, oh my goodness, I forgot to bless them yesterday. I'm gonna throw a quick blessing out to them this morning. God didn't get up this morning and say, oh my goodness, I forgot to bring healing to them uh, yesterday, so I'm gonna throw a quick bone out to them this morning uh, to keep them thinking that I can do it. That's not the way God operates. Listen, God has got a set time that he will do things and when he does it, it will be done. You can knock, knock it off of your list as being done. 
So I want to tell you this morning, if you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and wondering and wondering and wondering, God, where are you? Why have you not moved in my life? Why is this situation still taking place in my life? I'm struggling in my faith and I'm struggling with my belief that you're a miracle working God. Get this this morning. They sat there. They stayed there for 10 days waiting on God to do what he had said he would do. But because God said that he would do it. They stayed there. Their faith kept them because of what God's word had said. Listen, don't give up, child of God. Don't give in to your temptation that would say get up and walk away because it could be that at the next moment that suddenly is going to happen in your life and that that you've been waiting for and praying for and seeking God for is going to take place. And I can assure you that when God does it, it will be life-changing. The Bible says there was a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. A sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. In other words, it was a sound. It apparently was not a wind that came in and displaced everything but it was the sound of a wind. I remember uh, when Hurricane Ivan came, standing on the front porch of our house and watching trees fall all around our house, watching those big oak trees just tumble to the ground. And you could hear the sound of the wind that sounded like uh, a jet engine and, and it, was, it was an awesome sound, but it was also a scary sound. And the Bible says there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. What did this mean? In the Bible, God uses wind to indicate that he is about to manifest himself in a special way. Listen, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost came down to earth, listen, that is one of the most life-changing things that could have ever happened to us as human beings. It is one of the most humbling things that could ever happen to you and I as, as human beings because it is that day that God said, I am coming down to earth and I am going to inhabit mankind with my anointing. And I'm getting ahead of myself. Listen, it was a mighty east wind in the book of Exodus that we taught, we, we sung about it this morning where the, the, the Red Sea was parted. It wasn't a voice that God spoke with that the waters parted. The Bible says that when Moses by faith stretched his rod out across the Red Sea that God caused a mighty east wind to begin to blow and it blew throughout the night and they got up the next morning and the sea had parted and the ground was dry and they walked across the Red Sea on dry ground. Why? Because it was a powerful, mighty wind of God that was blowing. Perhaps the same wind blew on the day of Pentecost. We also see the wind in Ezekiel chapter 37 where Ezekiel was there in the valley of the dry bones and God said to Ezekiel, Ezekiel prophesy. 
and Ezekiel prophesied and he prophesied to the four winds to come and breathe upon the valley of dry bones. That valley of dry bones was the nation of Israel that at that time was dead, had no life, was not even a nation anymore. They had been scattered across the face of the earth. But God said, Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy. Speak something out of your mouth, son, and declare to these bones that they shall live. And speak to the four corners, north, south, east, and west, and command the wind to come and blow upon these bones. And Ezekiel prophesied. And when he prophesied, the Bible says that bones begin to come together, that clanging begin to to happen, sinew begin to come, muscles begin to uh, uh, originate on the bones and that it stood up as an exceeding great army. And in 1947, 1948, the nation of Israel overnight became a nation uh, to the dismay and the frustration of many nations around. The nation of Israel just overnight became a nation. And we saw here just last week how that the nation of Israel now has the capital of Jerusalem back in its rightful place. Don't tell me, ladies and gentlemen, that God is not the God of the universe and the God of all people because Ezekiel prophesied it thousands of years ago and it came to pass in 1948 and the wind of God began to blow in 1948 and it had been blowing and it blew those people, the Jewish people back to that land and God is still blowing upon his people today friend and it was that same wind that blew on the day of Pentecost. I wish we could stay there for a while. But we're going to move on. The Bible says that the rushing mighty wind blew and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There was a sound that went forth that day that everybody in that city heard the sound. They heard the sound of the wind. And in verse three it says, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set up on each of them. Now according to uh, what I've been able to study, uh, most uh, theologians think that perhaps it was a ball of fire that came and appeared in the room with, with those that were there. And it began to separate and go to each individual as a, as a tongue of fire and set up on each individual that was in the room. So what does this mean about these tongues of fire that appeared and set up on each of them? In the Bible, fire is a symbol of the divine presence of God. Now remember the wind is a symbol that God is going to do something special. God is, going, God is about to do something that is out of the ordinary. God is about to do something that has never been done before. And the fire of God that comes, the fire represents the divine presence of God. In the book of Exodus, again, Moses standing at the burning bush. That burning bush represented the presence of God. In 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 38, Elijah on Mount Carmel had prepared a sacrifice, had poured water on the sacrifice. That's kind of out of the ordinary, I would say, don't you think? 
that he poured water on the sacrifice that he wanted to burn, but he poured water on the sacrifice. Because when it's offered to God, it doesn't matter if it's got water or whatever on it. God accepts it and it's consumed. But he poured water on the sacrifice and the Bible says that, that Elisha prayed a simple prayer and the fire of God came down from heaven not only consumed the sacrifice that was on the altar, but the Bible says it consumed even the very rocks that were around it. The fire of God fell and consumed it. Listen, why? Because that was the presence of God that was coming down on Mount Carmel, and God was saying, I am honoring my prophet. Now, the wind and the fire according to what every, everything that I've been able to read, has never been repeated. There's never been another time that God came and the wind blew and the fire fell. But their effects are still being experienced. And I'm just gonna read you what Holy Spirit gave me uh, the other day as I was studying this. Their effects... In other words, the effect of the wind coming, the effect of the fire sitting upon each of them is still being experienced by us today. It was God declaring from heaven that there was a changing of temples. His power and his presence would no longer be found in a building made with brick and mortar but his power and his presence would now reside in the hearts of those who would be willing to receive him by faith. It was a changing from what could be touched with the natural and seen with the natural eye to that which had to be seen through the eyes of the spirit and received by faith. God was now saying, I am a spirit and those who worship me must do so in spirit and in truth. If you didn't get that, get the podcast and listen to it closely because it is simply this, that God had dwelt in temples made with hands uh, for thousands of years. But on the day of Pentecost, God drew a line there when Jesus died on the cross and he gave up the ghost. The Bible says that the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. In other words, access was given from heaven down to earth. If it had been rent from the bottom up, then we could say man did it. But that veil was rent from top to bottom, signifying and telling us in 2018 that we now have access, not that we have purchased it, not that we deserve it, not that we have done anything to earn it, but God in his grace and mercy opened up the heavens and said, I want to have dealing and relationship with mankind. So it was simply God saying this, I am no longer going to be found in the holy of holies. I am no longer going to be found in a temple made with hands. From this day forward, if you want to find me, you're going to have to look inside because I am choosing today to come down. I am moving out. I am, I am moving out of this old temple and I'm moving into a new one. 
Listen, if you, if you get that revelation, it will make a Baptist or a Presbyterian jump up and do jumping jacks all day long because you realize that God, the God of heaven, the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth said, I'm gonna come down to Robert Hood. He's not worth it. He's not worthy of it. But because Jesus died for him, I'm gonna come down and I'm gonna make up my abode inside of him. He didn't say, I'm going to choose the black. He didn't say, I'm going to choose the African-American. He didn't say, I'm going to choose the Native American. He didn't say, I'm going to choose the Caucasian. He said, I'm coming down. And whosoever will, will receive. Whosoever will, I'm going to come. Hallelujah. So you see now, ladies and gentlemen, as a result of the day of Pentecost, God resides not in a church. I love this building, and I'm thankful for it. God has blessed us, but God's not in this building. You bring him into this building. You bring him in. You limit and regulate what he can do in this building. That is the reason that it's so important that you get your family, your children in church on Sunday, sir and ma'am. Because by not doing that, you are regulating God's ability to not work in your children's lives. But when you bring them in here on Sunday morning. You are saying, God, I believe that you are God. And I believe that you are powerful. And I am bringing my family into this house on Sunday morning. And I'm allowing you to work through me. Listen, all at the end of the day, all you can do is walk through the doors of this building. All you can do is give it over to God. The rest of it is between God and, and what he wants to do. But when you come in, you're saying, God, I am not going to regulate this. I'm going to allow you to do it. So, Acts 2 and verse 4 says, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The tongues that were spoken that day were heard by people from every nation and understood by people from every nation because they heard them speak in their own native tongue. After the day of Pentecost, there was a move that took place and God began to expand this gift and that gift was given to individuals. And, and even now you hear every once in a while where a service will take place and somebody will give a message in tongues that, that it will be in the native tongue of somebody in the service. Given by an unlearned individual and heard by one that understood the language. But, but that gift and, and, and other gifts came in the church. And as Peter and all the disciples began to go out 
and began to use the gifts that God had given them. Those gifts began to grow and God began to manifest himself. Listen, we don't speak in tongues here in this church because we're weird or crazy. We don't believe in miracles in this church because we're weird or crazy. We don't lay hands on the sick and anoint them with oil because we're weird or crazy. We do that because it's biblical, because it's scriptural, and we believe today that God is able to do uh, mighty miracles, signs, and wonders. We believe today that God is a supernatural God. Listen, the Bible says this, and I'm rushing. Oh, my goodness. My clock's wrong. It's got to be wrong. Can't be 1201. Listen, the second thing, and, I, and I, I'm going to just move on. I, I want to give you one thing before I move on. And here's the deal that we're facing today in 2018. And that is that we have lost, many people have lost their hunger. They have lost their hunger for God. They've lost their thirst for the things of God. I would say they've lost their appetites, but we haven't lost our appetites. We've lost our ability to taste the things of God and to recognize that they are good. Be it through because of religion, be it because of tradition, be it because of legalistic uh, churches, be it because of, of, of backslidden uh, congregations or whatever it might be, people have lost their ability to taste the things of God and recognize this is good. That's the reason that Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 said, Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Listen, if you want something from God, how hungry are you? How thirsty are you? Jesus used hunger and thirst because hunger and thirst is our keenest appetites that we possess. And Jesus used that to show us the illustration and to give us an example of what it needs to be when we look at him and the things of God. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, and I'm, I'm fixing to close, the second question, as a result of the day of Pentecost, the hearing, the seeing, the filling, and all this that took place, the people looked at Peter in Acts 2 and verse 37 and said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Man, this miraculous thing had taken place, something that they had never witnessed before. God had come down to earth and was inhabiting the, the temple of man, the awesome thing that God was moving into the heart of man through his spirit. And the Bible says there were many that were there and they saw that and they witnessed that and they said, man, uh, Peter, will you tell me what I can do uh, to be a part of this? What must I do? What must we do? And that's where we are this morning. And I want you to notice the words that Peter said. Peter said first, repent got to turn from your sins you've got to turn from controlling and let God begin to control you've got to turn from driving 
and give God the steering wheel and let him drive. That tag from yesteryear that says God is my co-pilot doesn't need to be anymore. Take that thing off the front of your car and throw it away because if he's your co-pilot, you're driving in, in a bad place. But listen, God needs to be your pilot. He needs to be the one that's steering your life, your marriage, your relationships. God needs to be the one that's in charge of your career. So Peter said, repent. Repentance is the ground level of everything that God does. We get that through repentance. What is repentance? It's turning from my sin, recognizing my sinfulness and turning to God. And then Peter said, follow it up with baptism. Follow it up with baptism. And he's talking about water baptism there. Water baptism is simply an outward show that an inward change has taken place. And then thirdly, Peter said, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You say, Pastor, there's got to be more to it than that. That's not, Peter didn't add anything else to it. He just said, receive it. Repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then lastly, he said, and I'm telling you this, and I can see Peter as he's standing there speaking to all these people. And I believe this is the reason that he said it. I believe the reason that Peter said these next words, for the promise is unto you, your children, and theirs, and theirs, and theirs, and theirs, and theirs. To as many as the Lord our God shall call. Here's why I believe Peter said those words. Because Peter knew that there would be those that would stand up and say that was a one-time event and it never happened again. But I'm telling you this morning that Peter had some foresight in that. Holy Spirit had some foresight in that because Holy Spirit looked down at 2018. He looked down at Lisa Barber's. He looked down at Avis. He looked down at Lowe's. He looked down at Britney's. He looked down at the Cathy's. He looked down at the Larry's. He looked down at the Hannah's and all you other folks. He looked down on us and he knew that we would need a comforter when we were discouraged. He knew we would need a paracletos when we were walking by ourselves. He knew we were gonna need somebody that would come alongside and say, I just wanna remind you about what Jesus said. He looked down and saw Sister Sarah uh, sitting in a, in a seat on Sunday morning, May 20th, and he said, I'm gonna send something that will come alongside of her that will let her know. It will bring revelation to you. It will bring teaching to you. It will bring guidance to you. It will bring illumination of the word of God. When you read it and it looks like Greek to you and you don't understand it, God said and on the 
the day of Pentecost, I am sending everything. I'm sending the commentary of who I am uh, down. And he's going to live inside of you. And when you don't know which way to go, he's going to be the conviction that convicts you and leads you and directs you and guides your step and shows you the way to go. If I wasn't so shy and quiet, I'd be having me a running fit right now. Because you need to understand the power of Holy Spirit that God has for you as his body. It is the Holy Spirit that draws you to Christ. That happened back in John 20 or, or, or 21 when Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. That, that is the, the power of the Spirit that brought them to Christ. But then in Acts chapter 2, God said, I'm giving you something in addition to what I gave you back there. And this is going to be something that will abide with you forever. It will empower, anoint, it will clothe you, it will enable you and all the above. Hallelujah. So here's the thing. Don't stop until you get what God's got for you. Because God's got greater for you. And I wanna I wanna tell you this, it is not a Baptist or it is not a Pentecostal thing. It is not a charismatic thing. It is not to be looked at and said, Well that bunch of Pentecostal them folks crazy. Or that bunch of charismatics and all, that is not it. If you say that, you're missing it. This is a body thing. This is a Christianity thing. When you come under the blood of Jesus, then you come under a place where God says, this is yours. It is for you. It is for your grandchildren. It is for your children and all that are far off. Listen, I want to go ahead and stand and I'll, I'll wind it down. But listen, I want to tell you this this morning. I read that scripture uh, not too long ago. Uh, can you put that scripture back up? Acts 2.37. Or where Peter said it's to you, for you and your children and, and all that are far off. Can you put that up? I think it's 2.38. Somewhere at 39. There we go. It says for this promise is unto you and to your children. And to all that are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I, listen, I read this, this verse several years ago, and I was in my office uh, at home, and when I read that verse, it blew off the page at me. And God began to remind me of the prophecy that Joel had prophesied that in the last days I'm going to pour out my spirit upon your sons and daughters and they will prophesy, dream dreams, see visions and all that. And God reminded me of that and he said, he said God spoke this to my heart and he said, this is a promise, a promise that belongs to you and to your children. And from that day on, I wrote it down. I wrote it down and it's, and it's I can take you right now and show it to you on the wall of my office. And every day that I pray, I look at that verse and I say, Lord, I claim this promise 
over my children and over their children and their children and their children. That my children will be recipients of the promise of heaven that happened 2,000 years ago. My children today, Amber is walking in that promise. Amber, uh, listen, Bella, Will, and Emlyn are walking in that promise. They are walking according to what Peter said you could have on the day of Pentecost. Ashley is walking in that promise. Uh, Autumn and Corey, that's the reason that when I see them standing on the stage, I say thank you Lord for the promise because I'm watching my children that are walking in the promise. I'm watching them as they fulfill the promise. Braley is coming up and she's going to walk in that that promise. Why? Because I've declared that over her life. I've spoken it over my children and I don't receive anything else. And listen, I've followed them around the ball games. I've, I've, I've watched them play basketball, volleyball, softball, and all of that. And, and, and I loved every minute of it. I enjoy it. But listen, the greatest thing that I can know today is to know that my children are following according to the heart of God. Because I know that as they follow the heart of God, it will show them the path that they need to go. Bow your heads. Father, hallelujah. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. We thank you this morning, Father, that you sent Holy Spirit to abide, to dwell, and to inhabit us. We thank you this morning. And Father, today we stand here this morning over 2,000 years later past the day of Pentecost. We stand here this morning and many today have received that promise. Many today are walking in the fulfillment of that promise. Many today are experiencing the power of the indwelling presence of Holy Spirit. We're so thankful today. And Father, I pray this morning over this congregation, over this house, God, you know every individual that's here. So Father, we ask you now, Holy Spirit, that you would come. Move upon our lives today in the name of Jesus. Father, God, let us find you when we're kneeling by our beds in prayer. Let us find you when we're driving down the road listening to praise music. Father, let us find you when we're on our job working and all of a sudden, God, your spirit comes and moves into our lives in a powerful way. Father, I thank you this morning. And Father, I just, I thank you today that Father McCullough Christian Center, God will see such a move, such a flow of your spirit that it will radically not only change this atmosphere, but it will change the atmosphere of this region. We cry out, 
we declare this morning for revival in the name of Jesus. We give you praise this morning. We honor you today in the name of Jesus. This is what the Lord would say. Open your heart. Open your heart. Open your heart, child. And receive that that's already yours. Open your heart and receive that that has already been given. You do not have to ask for it. You do not have to beg for it. Just receive. Because it's already been given the work is completed the job is done it belongs to you as my children I desire to inhabit your life hallelujah hallelujah so you receive by faith this morning in the name of Jesus I bless you today I bless your family I bless your mind body and spirit now go in the name of Jesus and be blessed. Amen.